Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. How are you now? Oh, it's been a minute. How are you now? I apologize to all of our listeners. I know I missed a couple of episodes. I was in California, and essentially what happened was uh, I had brought my new laptop there. I thought I was going to be able to record a few episodes while I was there, and turns out program I downloaded, uh, it's a Chromebook. Uh, It's not the typical laptop that I would get. Uh, It didn't actually work, so I wasn't able to record the three episodes I was supposed to while I was there. I apologize for that, but we're back. We're back in full force. I'm back in Canada, back in New Brunswick, and the Montreal Canadiens were playing against the Winnipeg Jets on a Monday night. So hello and welcome to episode 31, the Carey Price episode of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and no, Carey Price was not playing for the Montreal Canadiens, though I think we all wish that he was. Uh, We would love to see that man back between the pipes, but we probably never will. And what did we get out of the Montreal Canadiens against the Jets? Well, going into this game, I got to admit, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. The Jets are number two in the Central, um, and the Habs are very not number two right now in the Atlantic. Uh, Not number two. (laughs) They wouldn't be number two in any division right now. It doesn't matter where you put them. Um, So the Jets, on paper, a better team. uh, On on the ice, typically a better team so far this season. Um, The expectation was probably that they could get run over. I mean, it's hard to tell with these Habs because... Sometimes they go out against teams that they have no business beating and they absolutely smoke them. And then other times they go out against some of those same strong teams uh, and they lose. So we're going to get to everything. We're going to get to the recap and all that. But first, all the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. You might even have some fights in some NHL games. Who knows? So head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And this game between the Habs and the Jets started off really not bad for the Habs. Okay, uh, better than I expected. Like I said, I was thinking I don't really know what to expect from them when it comes to them playing against uh, ostensibly superior teams on paper. And uh, I, I thought they were quite good in that one. The better chances in the first period arguably went to the Jets, but the shots at the end of 20 minutes were only 6-4 to four in favor of the Jets. So pretty low event and actually good defense from the Habs. So they, they kept things on an even keel through that period, which was important because we go into the second period. The rest call the worst dive I've seen in a while. Mason Appleton is skating behind. Uri Slavkovsky has the puck. Mason Appleton is following him and trying to check him. Slavkovsky puts his arm out to kind of go into puck protection mode. 
and bumps him in the face with his glove. Like not, he's not even looking at him, so it wasn't intentional whatsoever. And Appleton goes down like he got an uppercut from Francis fucking Ngannou, and the refs they they call it. But the Habs manage to kill that off, and that actually lights a fire underneath them. After they kill it, they start getting chances, and eventually they were able to hem the Jets in their zone a little bit. Mike Matheson, after a great hold at the offensive blue line comes down from the point, puts a shot on net, and the rebound goes right off Josh Anderson's skate, and in, it's one nothing. Josh Anderson on a little bit of a heater all of a sudden. We go back and forth from there. Uh, both teams kind of trading chances a little bit. Jets kind of starting to get back into that mode that they were in um, earlier on in the period um, ahead of that penalty that got called against Uri Slavkovsky. And then Jake Evans takes a knee later in the period he gets need uh Habs finally get their first chance on the power play and we're talking like late in the second period so they were just very reluctant these refs to call anything against the Jets and guess what Josh Anderson catches a puck at the side of the net he's going to put it down onto his stick it bounces over to Christian Dvorak on the back door he puts it in and it's two nothing for the Montreal Canadiens but hold on just a second the Jets challenge, they say that, that it was a hand pass from Josh Anderson over to Christian Dvorak. And they took a look at it, and when you look at the replay, it was very hard to tell whether or not that puck hit a stick after Josh Anderson put it back down on the ice. But there was no conclusive look. In fact, the most conclusive look that they showed, it kind of seemed like it did bounce off of Josh Anderson's stick. Either way, not enough to overturn the call on the ice. It is, in fact, 2 nothing for the Montreal Canadiens, and they get another power play out of this because the Jets had used a challenge and failed. This is a big opportunity. The Habs get something here. You can extend that lead to 3-0, and it's a wet fart of a power play. And that's where the dreaded two-goal lead strikes again. Worst lead in hockey, they say. It's even worse when it's the Montreal Canadiens. More on that after the recap. But um, they fail to score on that bonus power play that they got right after making it 2 nothing, and then with just under a minute to go. Habs' third and fourth line, a, a mix of the two because they were in the middle of a change, get caught in their zone too long. None of them know where to be because they, they don't even have a full regular line out there, and it leads to Mark Shifley getting the puck to Gabe Velarde in front with Allen down and out. He puts it in, and it's 2-1. to one. And... Sitting on that lead, uh, it extends into the third period. It's a bad start right away. Justin Barron heads to the box for holding less than a minute into the period. They do manage to kill that one off, but even after they kill that off, they they didn't gain any energy from it. It felt like they're just kind of hanging on kind of trying to flip pucks up over the forecheck of the Winnipeg Jets, um, clearing their zone by by using those lob passes out into the neutral zone. Uh, trying to, they're, they're doing a pretty good job of avoiding icing the puck at the very least, but this is not a conducive strategy to getting the win because you're not generating any kind of offense. The best defense is a good offense at times where you can hem the other team in their zone, keep the puck 200 feet away from your net, and you don't have to deal with many opportunities for the other team to tie the game. And guess what? Eventually, Winnipeg finds what they're looking for. Just under eight minutes to go in the third. Um, They get a point shot. Rebound goes right to Cole Perfetti on the other side. He's not going to miss from there. He's a pretty good player. That's his 10th of the year. And it's 2-2. Now the Habs just look like they're playing for OT because they keep doing the same things that they were doing prior to the Perfetti goal. You know, they're flipping pucks up over the forecheck. You know, the the Jets had a very aggressive forecheck going. And if they had the ability, the Habs, to stop sitting on that lead or stop playing like they're sitting on a lead because they didn't have the lead anymore at that point, 
a couple of quick passes, a couple of quick short passes in the defensive zone. They could have been going the other way with odd man rushes with regularity, um, but they weren't. They they were just content to try and play for OT. They even sent out Jake Evans in the final minute um, as the like you know almost a smoke signal to the other team that we're playing for OT. We want to get to that three on three against you, um, and then. Nikolai Ehlers actually tripped Mike Matheson with 30 seconds left on the clock. The Habs can't score in those 30 seconds, but they do carry a power play into overtime. And as much as I don't like sitting on leads, this would actually end up benefiting them. The Habs go into OT. Now they're four on three because they got about a minute and a half of that penalty still to work on the power play. And they're mostly passing it up around near the point. They're clearly looking for some specific looks either Suzuki, Caulfield, or one of their defensemen. And Mike Matheson was that defenseman at the start, but then he took a penalty for closing his hand on the puck while at the same time, um, what's his face? I forget his name from the Jets, um, their captain. Why can't I remember his name? Um, He took a penalty for cross-checking Matheson. So they stay on the four-on-three. They're still in that power play. And guess what? Cole Caulfield hands it off to Justin Barron at the point after they're doing that exchange between him, Caulfield, and Suzuki up near the blue line. And Barron rips a wrister through traffic, beats Connor Hellebuck clean, and is 3-2. The Montreal Canadiens win in Winnipeg. I didn't love the way that that game went down. I, I absolutely hate it when they sit on leads. And before I get to your player of the game and all that, I do want to point something out that was uh, given to me by my good friend Nathan Nee in the Habs Eyes on the Prize Slack chat. He went on to Ineffective Math's uh, website. I don't know if you guys know Ineffective Math. Uh, I think his name is Micah. He has a stats website where he compiles a lot of very interesting data on NHL teams, NHL games, NHL players, and uh, the Habs this year. When they're up by one goal, their offensive output or their expected goals for increase by 19.6%. When they're up by two goals, their expected goals for decrease by 27.4%. And their expected goals against when they're up by two goals increase by 50.1%. It gets even worse when they're up three goals, but we're just going to focus on the two goals for now because the the real problem is as soon as this team gets anything more than two goals ahead of the other team, they stop playing any kind of offense and they start trying to go into uh, bunker mode, I call it, you know, and they do not have the personnel nor the experience to go into bunker mode with any kind of success. If you want to sit on two goal leads, you need to have some of the best defensive hockey in the game that's the only way that you get away with it because when you're sitting on leads you're giving the other team opportunities and if you don't have elite defensive abilities you're you're gonna get scored on um there's a good to fair chance that it's going to generate enough momentum for the other team to also get the tying goal and you're kind of up shit's creek without a paddle so uh, this is something that they need to stop and they need to stop it as soon as humanly possible because nobody expects anything from this team this year so right now it's not a big deal but if they ever want to be a playoff team again this has to stop it it has to stop you can't possibly expect any kind of sustained success if you can't win in, in in regulation i almost said in overtime because that's the only place that this team seems capable of winning right now is in overtime because every time they get a lead they just start getting scored on 
And it's because they go into that mode. They go into that bunker mode. They go into, all right, we're just going to flip the puck up over the forecheck and we're just going to regroup and we're going to D them up. And you have a you have an extremely young blue line right now. So you don't have the kind of experience that you need to actually do what you think you can do. And the, the coaching staff is largely well, relatively inexperienced as well. Um, they, they don't have the personnel to do what they're trying to do. You need to keep your foot on the gas, right? Extend that lead to 5 6 nothing. I don't give a shit, right? And again, I do not care if they win and lose. Like, wins and losses don't mean anything to me this year as a fan. I'm not expecting them to win the Stanley Cup. I'm expecting to see measurable progress in important areas. I've seen some on the power play. That's good. I've seen some from some of the young players. That's good. We've seen Uri Slavkovsky looking better this season. That's great. But this is one area where they seem to be struggling mightily, and I think it's something that's very important for them to correct as soon as possible. So um, we got the negative out of the way there. They did get two points. So depending on how you feel about that, if you're on Team Tank or not, eh, you might be excited about that. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoy anytime they beat the Jets because I don't like Mark Shifley. Fuck that guy forever for that hit on Jake Evans in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, so that's good for me. And that brings us to our player of the game. Now, it might be a little bit controversial, or maybe it's not going to be controversial at all. I don't know. But I'm going with Josh Anderson. He had a goal, and he had an assist, and uh, he's on a bit of a heater lately. And I think that's important because we know, or at least we've been told, that last year the Habs had offers on the table that may or may not have included a first-round pick. As of a, a week and a half ago, those offers, if they indeed existed as people said they did, people in the know, so we think, um, if they existed, those offers had dried up and they were gone with the wind. Um, however, he has the profile of a player that a lot of GMs around the NHL tend to overvalue, right? He's got size and he's definitely got speed and he shoots the puck real hard. You know, that, that kind of player for playoff bound teams has value. We saw what he did for the Habs in the playoff room where they made it all the way to the finals. He was a useful player for them, a very useful player, some might say. Um, I, I think that they're, as long as he can keep this up, and not necessarily at the same level that he's been for the last few games, but just keep putting up some points, I think there's a possibility that they might be able to get back to a point where he has some of that overpay possibility uh, in a trade. And... I, I don't know how much more it would take from him, but honestly, he's playing pretty good hockey right now. He's engaged. He's getting in on the forecheck. He's creating offensive opportunities. Uh, just uh, even recently, he's been more uh, on the playmaking side of things. And now, because he's going to the right places, because he's in the right place at the right time, he's getting some of these goals, like that goal that he got uh, off the Mike Matheson shot, just because he's driving the net. He's using his size to his advantage, getting body position and going to the net. It ends up bumping off of his skating into the net. That's a pretty garbage goal. But when you look at a goal like that, you have to consider what did he do to get to the spot that made that goal possible? It was he used every tool at his disposal, his speed, his size, and a little bit of smarts to make sure that he had the right body position and he was driving at the right angle. So um, Josh Anderson, player of the game, it's been a couple of games in a row uh, where he's looked pretty darn good. So I think um, 
well-deserved and hopefully a sign of things uh, to come. Again, I, I hate to, to throw this out there when I'm naming a guy player of the game. I am very in favor of trying to trade him. Uh, I think that's a contract that they need to move on from. And I think that if he continues playing like this, they're going to get an offer that uh, that they can't or at least that they shouldn't refuse. So uh, good game from him. Hopefully we see a little bit more of that in the games to come. And then speaking of trade bait, uh, you got to talk about Jake Allen's game there. Um, Look, particularly after the Habs started sitting on that two-goal lead, um, it was a bit of a bloodbath at even strength. Um, you don't look at natural statric. If you if you felt like the Habs were the better team in that game, you might not want to look there. Um, realistically, it was it was close at five on five until they went up two nothing. As soon as they went up two nothing, it got rough, and uh, Jake Allen really had to kind of bail the Habs out in that one. So um, they owe him uh, for that game, and I would venture to guess that any pro scouts who happen to be watching that are employed by a team that happens to need goaltending um, would be quite impressed with what Jake Allen did there. He was playing the puck well, um, a couple of really nice poke checks, um, really good just technical positional goaltending. Um, the goals that went in, nothing he could do about them. You, you can't charge either of those to him. Uh, matter of fact, if, if you watch that game, uh, he was probably right up there maybe even above josh anderson in terms of deserving uh player of the game i gave it to anderson because you know i, I like this game and i want to give him a little bit of shine but uh jake allen would have been a very fair pick there he played a fantastic game and uh yeah if if that was a game where he had a chance to play his way onto a contender whew, did he ever do what he needed to do um that was a great game from him and uh, again uh, because they sat on the lead there's no way they get to that overtime period without what he did so uh they owe him one for that outside of those two um i don't have a ton of great things to say about that game um because of them sitting on the lead it, it kind of colored my overall opinion of it um i i will say jaden struble continues to impress me um played a very physical game um he got hemmed in his zone uh, a little bit more often than you might like to see but what he did when he was hemmed in his zone was great uh, he's playing good defense getting in passing lanes uh, playing physical uh, really beyond his years in terms of his ability to play as a defenseman in the NHL I've said this before and I'll say it again that kid is not going back to the Laval Rocket and uh, if they're expecting to get him back uh, they're going to be sorely disappointed because I do not think that he's going to be seeing the North Shore of Montreal for a very long time I think he is in the NHL to stay um Outside of him, um, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Uri Slavkovsky as the top line yet again. Uh, I did enjoy their performance overall. I think their forechecking ability has drastically improved since Uri Slavkovsky got put back on that line. Um, really, really like what he's bringing uh, from a physical standpoint. Using his frame, it, it has changed that line a little bit. Uh, they had their moments where they struggled against the Jets, uh, but that was true for the entire lineup, again, especially after they went up 2-0. Um, but I really, really liked uh, what that line was doing when they were going, uh, especially when they got into the offensive zone. Um, they a- Again, they, they've always needed somebody who's good at puck retrieval, who can put a little bit more physical pressure on the opponents uh, in the offensive zone. Uri Slavkowski has been delivering that. So this is something that... Um, you know, this this most recent stint has given me enough faith to say I'd like to see them just stick with that for the remainder of the season. Um, let Uri Slavkovsky continue to gain that confidence. 
um, continue to impose himself physically. And I, I think an offensive output explosion is maybe not coming immediately from them, but I think it will come. And when it does, I, I think it'll give us all something to cheer about for the remainder of the season. Uh, we've been kind of short on things to cheer about this year. We've been back on the injury problems and everything. So I think we need that, and I think we deserve that. And um, I think that that line is capable of delivering that for us. So um, good game from them. And outside of everything that I just mentioned, again, I don't have any super positive things to say about that game. Oh, Justin Barron. Um, Justin Barron had some moments in that game that that really bothered me um he once again bill buckner to puck that was coming at him at the blue line super soft uh nick suzuki kind of bumped it back or no it was caulfield caulfield bumped it back and it was coming at him slow and he somehow managed to let it get past him and i'm like man he's the bill buckner on skates of the montreal Canadiens. anybody who doesn't know who bill buckner is just google his name and you're gonna see yeah, the video will pop out real quick for you and you'll know what i'm talking about um but he regrouped and he started playing really well for them. He gets the opportunity in overtime and scores with his parents in the building. Um, it, it was a pretty pretty good game from him overall. So as much as I was frustrated with one or two plays, um, he, he actually played quite good. And he's on a pretty good offensive uh, output. And I don't know how long he can sustain that pace, but it's it's been... At the very least, he's 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 been contributing offensively. So um, I think that's a good sign, and hopefully he can transition into playing a little bit better defensively, a little bit better at the offensive blue line as well, and then we'll see what he can do from there. That's about all I have to say about Habs players. Um, again, um, I, I think this sitting on leads thing is, is the number one lesson that they should learn from that game, but they still escaped with two points. I hope they don't you know, sit on those two points and, you know, get too proud about them because, again, there's some work to be done and there's a good lesson to be learned in that game. Um, and I am very glad and very proud. If you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, you happen to have been at that game in Winnipeg. I heard the boos from Mark Shifley. I'm proud of every single Habs fan who refuses to forget and wants to remind that guy that he's a piece of shit. Boo him every time you see him. Great work. To all of the Habs fans who were in the building for that game, I appreciate you. You deserve to be recognized for your efforts. What are we running? <laughs> we're running a little over 22 minutes. So c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. And uh, I think it was deserved because, of course, I was off for, for a little while. So, again, I apologize for missing those uh, those couple of games. Um, it won't happen again. Next time I go to California, I'll make sure that I've got my program situation all sorted out before I go. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online, and of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.